This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we are going to finalize and say once and for all that sarcasm is a spiritual gift. Is that <laughs> right? right? Well, I, I'll tell you what, you know, it's funny because sometimes we get so serious about God's word and we should be like, I'm not saying we shouldn't. Okay. But sometimes in an effort to be respectful and reverent towards God's word, we miss the humor and the sarcasm that is sometimes there. We find that with Paul in, in this last week's passage. We find it with Jesus sometimes too and others. So yeah. So spiritually gift sarcasm. Okay. It's not in there, but Sometimes it helps. Sometimes dealing with people can bring it out in us, you know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's. Well, that's probably I mean, not the best way. And the, yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Well, Paul. Paul seemed to be tired of it. But you know, I always joke. You know, we. I don't know if you've heard of the the love languages. What is it? There's like quality time. You know, that kind of the five love languages. Oh yeah. Yeah. Touch t- and time, time. Time. Gifts. Gifts is gifts is mine. If you want, if you really want to love me well, buy me something. Yeah, there you go. Buy me something good. Don't buy me something bad. Well, I always I always say too that my my uh, my love language is sarcasm and then harassment. So if I'm harassing you, yeah, that just means I love you. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I I added two more. So I'm glad to hear that sarcasm is one. But hey, um, I know you. Uh, we're in the uh, series, I guess, still New Life. Yes, we are. And, going uh, through Second Corinthians, that's right. And the uh, title of the sermon is Don't Settle for Just Okay. Yeah. And uh, you, you talked about Joshua Harris, I Kissed yeah. It Goodbye. And, and I don't know if you know, if you were, if that book was written in your prime of your dating years, but it was written in the prime of my no, dating I was, years. I was married. Okay. So when that, when that book came out, it was like, it was one of those books where, and it had a really good heart behind it. And, and I get it. But it was a lot um, to, you know, it was one of those situations where I, you know, I started reading the book and then I stopped because I was just like, I just don't, I just don't, it's too much for me. But it was really, um, it, it just put a lot of, I'm trying to think, just a lot of rules and regulations on dating. And I just didn't quite buy into the whole philosophy. Um, I get where the hearts come from and it actually came from a really good place, but I kind of, in the end, I think I kind of felt, and I don't know if this is, is unfair for me to say since I didn't read the whole thing, but that it was kind of like adding law to, you know, how, how we might do that sometimes with the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ or just our relationship with him. We add a little bit too many rules sometimes to it yeah, and it makes it a little bit hard to live up to that, that hype or that, you know, it just makes it too hard and it takes a lot of joy out of it. And, um, do you think that might have contributed to him, you know, essentially kind of falling away or disqualifying himself? You know, I, I don't know for sure. I, I can tell you, you know, he was part of uh, Sovereign Grace Churches. That was kind of his background, a very reformed um, denomination, if you will, of churches. And there was some scandal uh, re- related to some of those churches and really uh, one of the founders of that movement, if you will. And so that may have contributed as well. I think it's hard. It's, it's really difficult to say what's going on in his heart and his head. I, I you know, he, he became a, he had, he was a success. He, he wrote that book in 1997. I just looked it up just so you know, I didn't, didn't oh, yeah, top yeah. Of my head. I just looked it up. Uh, but, but he wrote that in 1997. Uh, and, and, you know, I, he was a young guy, sold a lot of copies. I was doing youth ministry at the time, you know, so this, this book was definitely, relevant to what I was doing. Um, you know, I, I gleaned the concept 
And there was some issues or some things like you said, that I think were helpful in, in the concept, but, but I think he missed, uh, some important things too, and probably went a little too far with it. Could that have led to legalism? Yeah, perhaps. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to say, but you know, I always, I, you know, I mourn at the loss of somebody like that who, um, who's decided for whatever reason that, that Christianity did not, um, offer the answers he wanted or, or something along those lines. Um, did he fall prey to a false gospel of sorts? Maybe. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not accusing Sovereign Grace Ministries of, of preaching a false gospel, but, but, you know, as far as what he believed personally, could he have believed something a little more legalistic or a little more law-driven than grace-driven? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, whatever the case, I think he, um, he misunderstood some things and, and those things certainly became stumbling blocks for him. Yeah. You know, I think, I think just even the, the, Obviously, we don't know what was going on in his mind and his heart and all that kind of stuff. But there is, to me, a red flag of of we need to stop whenever we feel we're we're in just beginning to to see more legalism in our lives. You know, that it's a very dangerous uh, place. I'm not saying that he was being legalistic, but my my thoughts are that he he might be a little bit legalistic in that in that. Um, in his, in his book and then maybe in his in his doctrine. Yeah. And I know that in my own life I've tend I can tend to do that. Where yeah. and that's where the danger even when I read that book I go, "Yeah, this is great. I'm going to go all in on this book." And I go, "Right. I can't go all in on this book. I don't think I can maintain this uh ethical, you know, legalism, you know, I don't think I can do it. And, well, and I don't think it's healthy and, and, and yeah, it's going to hurt me in the end. And to be clear, you know, what he did in his book, uh, you know, and I don't want to make this podcast about that, but what he did in his book was not, I, I think it went beyond what is biblical. And that's where we end up with, le- with, with a more legalistic approach is when we go beyond what scripture says, you know, the same thing can be said in a lot of areas of life and a lot of and Christians have made a, you know, habit out of doing this and, and, you know, adding laws to the laws of God, so to speak. And, and that's maybe, maybe what he did to some degree in that book. And, and some people certainly feel that way. And, and apparently at, at least at some point he kind of, of course, rejected his own teachings in that regard and other writings as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I think, like you said, adding, adding to scripture and stuff is always hard. Um, I think even, even also taking scripture and preaching it in a, like you talked about it being relevant today. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, a, it's hard. It seems hard to do because if, if the, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, right? different culture, different time. The New Testament, 2000 years ago, yeah. the Old Testament, much, much longer ago how than that. How in the world, if it was written to a different culture and a different, and yeah. thousands of years ago, how in the world can it still be relevant today? Yeah. Well, and that, and that's a great question, but here's the thing we look at, you know, we're sitting here, Johnny, you and I, and I just put, took a picture. We're going to post on Instagram yeah, kind of threw me off for a second. Yeah, I was like, I oh know. man, what? He's like freaking out. Like, cause we're, we're sitting here recording this podcast and I'm using my phone and turning around and taking a quick picture and all this stuff. And he's like, I better keep talking. Are we going to stop? What's going on? Yeah. But, uh, but we use social media. I mean, Paul, when he was writing second Corinthians had no concept of social media. He had no concept of the, of the laptops that we're using or what a podcast is or the smartwatch I wear, or, or you know, we have certainly changed from a technological perspective, you know, and, and those are just a couple of the, the minor uh, advancements in society, you know, people going to the moon and spaceships. I mean, who, who that's, that's, that's 
that's fantasy. That's crazy talk, you know, in, in Paul's day. Nobody does that kind of stuff. Nobody flies. Nobody, you know, we do all these things. I'm getting on a plane later today. I'm going to fly. Well, they had, Paul had no concept of what it was to fly from one place to another. Um, and, and so technology has certainly changed. But here's the things that haven't changed. Human nature. Human nature has not changed. We are still fallen. We are still sinful. We, we still make the same mistakes over and over it's again. It's funny how that is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, do we, do we change the way we make those same mistakes? Yeah. Some, to some degree. Um, do we use technology to help? Yeah. We use technology to make it worse, to be honest with In you. Some ways, yeah. And so, and so human nature hasn't changed. God's nature hasn't changed. The fact that he created the universe hasn't changed. The fact that there is an end game to this all that, that there's going to be new heavens and new earth. None of that has changed. And so the idea that scripture somehow is irrelevant because it was written a couple thousand years ago, simply because technology has changed, doesn't mean that anything else has changed. And so, and so it's, it's, it's inherently relevant because God created the universe and God spoke through the authors of scripture, through the people who actually penned those words to communicate to all of humanity, um, the essential truths of the gospel and the kingdom of God. You just briefly mentioned that, uh we use sometimes use technology to make sin worse. Yeah, we right? do. What are some ways that, you know, in your sermon, you talked about being exploited and enslaved, that mm-hmm. they were exploited and yeah. enslaved. Um, what types of things intentionally or unintentionally exploit or enslave us today? I mean, that could be through technology. It could be through anything. It, it, it can be through technology, but here's here's the, the irony in all of it is the, the, the same things that they were exploited by and, and enslaved by are the same things that were exploited by and enslaved by. Uh, one of the, one of the more obvious, um, ones is, is that, you know, when it comes to our sexuality, I mean, the sixties and seventies came along and, you know, neither of us are old enough to remember the sixties, but we've heard about them, right. Yeah, you know, great music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good, some good music, some good music. Uh, and then, and then the seventies, you know, we were young, but we could, we can remember certain parts of the seventies. At least I can. And, um, I'm a couple years older than you, I think, right. You're 42. Yeah. 44. Oh, you're 44. Yeah, I was born That's 75. right. Now I'm about to turn 46. I keep, yeah. I think two years. Were you years. born in 73? I was born in 73. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so I remember, you know, I saw Star Wars in theaters in I the 70s. I saw Return of the Jedi. Yeah. That was so, it though. So that was the last, that was the third trilogy. Yeah. Right. Another, yeah. You know, so I, so we, we can remember pieces of, of the seventies, certainly the eighties. Right. And, and one of the common things re- related to sexuality was free love, free love, you know, and this whole, this whole, uh, sexual revolution that has really taken root in our, in our, in our culture culture and American culture. And we're experiencing some of the fruit of that or, you know, rotten fruit, if you will, there you um, go, yeah. of that today, because it has really taken a hold in our culture. But what we have found is that, is that the very thing that they call free really enslaves us and it enslaves us by our own, um, um, desires, our own desires enslave us, you know, lust and those kinds of things. They enslave us this idea of, you know, in some sectors of society, well, monogamy is still kind of praised in, in as far as marriage is concerned in general, it, it is becoming more and more common to see monogamy as kind of a lifestyle choice as opposed to a moral good. And so when it's seen that, seen that way and people begin to follow, you know, polyamorous type relationships, their lust and their desire for that better love, that greater love enslaves them. They become enslaved to it. You know, pornography enslaves us, right? Because we, we want more, we want more that, that next thing that, and, and we, and we become enslaved to that thing. We can't get away from it. And so, and so that kind of thing, um, takes advantage of us. It manipulates us and it, and it really harms us in huge, huge ways. I mean, it is the, the, the significant impact that 
Um, the, the, the free love approach, and, and that's an old term, but it's still relevant. Um, the, the impact that that is having going to have on society and has already had in, in many ways and, and will continue to have is, is very tragic and significant. And so it enslaves us. And, and, it, and, and that's true with other things as well, but that's just an obvious, obvious example. But like you said, too, that, that's nothing new. I mean, it isn't anything new. Pleasure and sex and all that kind of stuff and distractions were all yeah. they're different. Paul talked about that in most of his letters in one way or another. He talked about uh, sexuality, uh, homosexuality, um, you know, those kinds of things uh, in, in his letters and other sins. Of, of course, it's just that that that's one that's really prevalent in our culture and that there's a battle over, if you will, a spiritual battle, I think. Not, I think. I know it's a spiritual battle, but, um, anyways, you know. So there's a that's a that's an obvious one, but there's many other ones as well. But sin enslaves us, and the gospel gives us true freedom. And and we we confuse it too. We think that in being able to embrace our sin is what gives us freedom, but it it doesn't. It actually has the opposite effect. You know, I, I think something that may be a little different now. It seems like nowadays the exploitation. We're being exploited maybe mm. more. Uh, I mean, there, I'm sure there, there were similar ways that we were exploited or humans were exploited back yeah. then. But it seems like through marketing and consumerism sure. and materialism that we are totally being exploited by through the media, yeah. through our politicians. You know, we're we're constantly yeah. being exploited and just and and. But and what's, distracted what's the promise? With purpose. The promise is what? Fulfillment. For pleasure. A better life pleasure right but but the end is exploitation mm-hmm. even when it comes to as you you mentioned it even our politics and government um you know as far as exploitation i mean if you read some history it's always socialism communism those kinds of things what do they promise they promise this utopian society that'll be amazing and great and it's and it's but it ends up exploiting and enslaving us and at least that's what history is borne out repeatedly mm. and uh and, but it's in the promise of, 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 of some kind of utopia or freedom. Yeah. And even, uh, yeah, you just see it all around where we're just kind of, they just seem to distract us, yeah. keep us fighting amongst each other and yeah. uh, get, you know, they just, the wealthy just get richer. You know, that's kind of the way it is. If, if freedom is promised without responsibility, you can almost be guaranteed. And as a matter of fact, you can't, it's not almost, you, you can, I can guarantee you that the end of that will be exploitation and enslavement. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I have a little a weird transition. So <laughs> that was a weird transition. Yeah, it was yeah, like total yeah, silence. Yeah, total, yeah. Well, I was trying to think of like, how do I transition to my next thought here? But uh, last night, my, my wife says I'm super empathetic because I was yeah. looking at my dog and I'm like, man, she, she just always wants food. She's like, well, you're just too empathetic. You know, <laughs> you're like, you just don't give it to her. I'm like, well, she's just sitting here. I, I have to give her something, you know? And, and, <laughs> that sounds like, that's, that's it's so funny. You're, you're, you're role reversal in your marriage. At least it's yeah, opposite I mean, of my um, yeah, marriage. With the, with the dog and stuff. Yeah. Chris is the empathetic one in my marriage and I'm the, the cold hearted, the cold hearted person. Yeah. Well, my wife's not cold hearted. Don't. Yeah. She's not cold hearted. She's oh, okay. the best. She'll listen to this. But, but the reality <laughs> is, the reality is, is I'm more when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but you talked about don't cast your pearls before, yeah. swine, before swine. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what does that even, what does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, you brought it up real quick and I was like, I, the reason why it doesn't transition well is because it, yeah, it was, it was kind of, and it was, it was a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, that is said, Jesus says that right in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven. And it's, and it's the same passage as a very, another very famous, um, phrase that we use. Don't judge, you know, Matthew chapter seven, verse one is don't judge lest you be judged. Right. Like everybody, everybody likes to quote that. And, and which I did a sermon on, um, a couple weeks ago, right? uh, no, 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 no. It was a couple weeks ago. 
I was in Second Corinthians a couple weeks ago. Maybe we talked about it on the podcast. Oh, we maybe, but uh, we we maybe did. But uh, but I did a sermon on it when we went through the Sermon on the Mount, which was last summer. So you can go back and, and look it up and listen if you want. But 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 it's that same passage. Don't judge lest you be judged. Right. Take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's all, it's all the same passage. And then, you know, don't, don't cast your pearls before swine is a common one, but it's also talks about rabid dogs and, you know, don't throwing your goods before dogs, that kind of thing. So dogs and swine were pejorative terms, right? They, 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 that's what you'd called people. And to some degree we still do. We say you're a pig or you're a dog or, or whatever. We're not complimenting somebody. Uh, unless my son says it, he loves dogs, but he might be going, Oh, you're such a, you're such a, you're such a dog. And he wants to pet you or something. Yeah. We'd have to talk about that. We would have to talk. about <laughs> it. I don't think he'd actually do that just to be clear. But, uh, the point is this, that, that those are pejorative terms and right. And so, and, and pearls in that day would have been considered more precious than even like diamonds. Like they were as precious as precious can be. And so, and so taking the, the kingdom truths, God's kingdom truths, the, the pearls and throwing them before swine or dogs, like, like, why would you do that? In other words, and, and it's in combination with this passage about judgment. And so there's kind of, um, taking the opposite end of, of two spectrums. Don't judge. But don't be don't be frivolous with with what you've been given regarding the truths of the kingdom of God either. In other words, if somebody's gonna if somebody's gonna respond by when you begin to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ with them, if they're gonna respond by by ridiculing you, by ridiculing the message of the gospel, then don't throw your pearls before swine, right? Don't 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 engage in that. Use discernment is what's being said there. And so and so the idea of discernment when it comes to the gospel and discerning, you know, is this the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is this is this the gospel Paul preached, so to speak? Um, and that is represented in the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. If if this is that gospel then we should embrace it. If it's not, we should use discernment. And if, and if we're going to present the, the truth of the gospel and it's going to be attacked and ridiculed, we don't, we don't, we don't need to worry about their dogs and pigs. That's harsh. That's, that's harsh. Sounds it harsh. Is. Yeah. But, but, it, but it, that's kind of what's being said, but, but right? If, you know, if it's being rejected and their, their ears are closed, their eyes are closed, their heart right. is closed. Then, then at that point, you know, and, and in some ways too, maybe you're um, heaping more condemnation by giving them more, uh, accountability. Like, here's more yeah. truth. Here's more knowledge, and you're still rejecting it. You know. Yeah. Um, and which, by the way, this is really applicable on Facebook, maybe or Instagram or whatever. Okay. Your social media. Yeah, no, is. As soon as you Quit. said, that, I thought about. It. Yeah. Did you right? Like, it, yeah. like, just stop it. Like, if, if, I, I scroll by stuff all the time, and if somebody says something, I'm like, and I know some people you might know, look at how yeah, I, the things I comment on and go, "Geez, he's always commenting on stuff." But the number of things I scroll by and don't comment on that I want to far out, outnumber mm-hmm. the things I actually do comment on. And I still comment on things I probably should just let go. But um, anyways, I have, a tr- I have a hard time with that. It's, yeah. it's God's still working on me. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I think we do have this sense of responsibility. I think obviously we work in a church, so um, we have the sense of, of trying to convince and trying to uh, present the gospel to people. Yeah. And even if it is, you know, because we've heard those stories where, uh, you know, I, I presented to them and they, they hated it. They hated it. And all of a sudden they asked me, right. Hey, and then they converted or something right. or they realized that, that Jesus did have the answers for them. And so it's like, you've had to find that line of when is it st- yeah. appropriate to stop? And there's just that pressure. Right. And, well, and, and recognizing hearts change. God is in the, in the business of changing people's lives, their minds, their hearts. And so, and so recognizing that, you know, uh, you know, let's just put it this way. I was once a pig, but I don't, I'm no longer, <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. was once a dog as, you know, referring to the, the text that we just talked about, not, 
not, you know, in any more significantly pejorative way than that, but I was once that and God redeemed me. Yeah. And so recognizing that, that just because somebody is, is maybe even hostile to the gospel at one point doesn't mean they always will be. Yeah. So maybe you, you have to just use discernment in that moment and then you pray about it, look for yeah, an opportunity to come absolutely. back and, and see if their heart's ready for it. Yeah. Um, but there is that pressure. And I think in Second Corinthians, it kind of talked about how Paul is to present the church to God, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. there's a lot of pressure in that as a pastor, too, because I think you feel the responsibility. Grace Fellowship needs to be, you know, pres- oh my gosh. holy. Grace Fellowship needs to be. And there's people in your congregation that might fall out of, you know, favor or might right. lose their salvation or, or not lose salvation, but m- might uh, just walk away. And then... It, there's that pressure and I'm sure it's hard to, to rationalize. Um, can you, I know you kind of mentioned it quickly and then you didn't really talk about it much in the sermon, but could you kind of yeah. expound on the pressure of that or what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, there's present? a responsibility that comes with that for mm-hmm. sure. Right. And he, Paul even talks about that in, in feeling the pressure that he has related to the churches that he's planted and things like he's kind of their spiritual father. Right. And his, his job in this text is he uh, talks about it is to present the church in Corinth specifically, but all of his churches before God is pure and holy. He talks about this in Ephesians five too, right? Where he talks about, you know, husbands and wives and, you know, uh, wives submit to your husbands, husbands, love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But he's talking about the church in that passage. And he's saying, and he talks about presenting uh, the husband's job in, and this is true both in marriage and in, and as far as like the church um, being it, to present the church before God as pure and holy. And there's a huge responsibility that comes along with that. And quite frankly, I don't think any pastor is able to live up to that. And yet the, the pressure of it is enormous. It's huge. Um, when, when people reject the gospel, when they reject the good news of Jesus Christ, when they, when they run away from the church, when they, when they do those things, that, that weighs heavily on a pastor's heart, not because somebody's leaving uh, his church, but almost more so because so much of the time, and you've, you and I have even talked about this, and people leave churches all the time. Like, all churches experience loss. Yeah. People leave churches. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, and, and yet it weighs heavily, right? You and I have talked about people, people who leave grace, and, we, and, you know, and our main concern is not so much that they're not here at grace, but are they leaving the church or are they leaving grace? Yeah. There's a difference. It's almost like, you know, I've, you have those conversations with, and, and your, initial conversa- your initial reaction might be to be defensive or to be frustrated. Why are they, yeah. why are they leaving us? Like, what did right. we like do? Like, it's personal. Yeah. But the reality is, is it, it always comes back to, I just want them to find somewhere. I don't right. care. I don't I want care them to if it's worship here. Jesus. I yeah. want them to, you know, enter into the new heavens, new, new earth, and, um, you know, that's that's my main. And, and I want them to serve Jesus and to be ministers on behalf of Jesus too. And so and so, yeah. So that's the that's the the weight that's on not just a pastor's heart it should be on all our hearts really, but pastors certainly experience that in a unique way. You know, I think, and you know, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna talk about this a little bit, and because I'm preaching coming up in a couple of weeks, but the reality is, I think we do kind of put it on the, the, well, that's the pastor's job. Yeah. And the reality is, is I think that as believers, we're supposed to uh, encourage each other, lift one another up, uh, help each other when we're in sin and all that kind of stuff. And I think we do kind of put it off on the pastors, which is unfair. And and really, uh, I think even the church is kind of missing out on that excitement of doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, there's a responsibility. We're look, look, we're all, you know, the, the, the priesthood of believers, right? We're all, uh, ministers. We're all, uh, workers 
on behalf of the kingdom of God if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So we need to embrace that. It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. But, you know, when people do that, right, it, he, pastors ask questions. Does, is that a reflection of my leadership? Did I, did I do something wrong? Did I offend somebody in a way that I didn't need to? Um, did, you know, things like that. And you ask all kinds of questions. And, and, and it is hard and it is painful. But ultimately, I'm more concerned about a person rejecting Jesus and the body of Christ and the church because it's God's church. It's not my church. And, and when we walk away from the church, we're walking away from the very thing that God has called us to. And that's scary. That's a scary place to be. Hmm. Well, you know, ultimately, I think what we're supposed to be doing is pointing people towards Jesus, obviously. That's right. And uh, sometimes even pastors can get that Jesus wrong. Right. You know, right. And and followers can get that Jesus wrong. Yeah. Uh, what is so dangerous? I mean, why is it so dangerous to get the get the follow the wrong Jesus. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like you mentioned uh-huh. this on your sermon, yeah. but that wrong, having the wrong mindset of who Jesus is, why is that so dangerous? Well, because we end up in a place where, I mean, I've seen this, I've seen this probably, I think most, you know, and I listed a couple different kinds of Jesuses that we, we sometimes follow, you know, the passive Jesus, which I think is the scariest of all, um, because it's kind of this, I got to be careful how I say this, like this free grace, cheap grace. That's a better word for it. Cheap grace kind of, kind of Jesus where I'm going to, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. Um, But Jesus came and gave grace. So I don't, he doesn't really make any demands on my life. Like there's, there's nothing, I don't really have to change how I live. I don't have to, I don't have to really speak truth to the world. I don't, I don't have to do those things because God's granted me grace and, and I'm good. I'm, I'm written in the Lamb's book of life and therefore I can kind of go on how I, however I live. Now it's usually not quite that blatant. Usually what happens is we kind of accept part of it. We, we accept the parts of the gospel that we like. Right. So we go, we like, or that we do well or that we do well. Yeah. Yeah. We like the, the fact that Jesus is love, but, but when, when God expresses his love for us in judgment because of our sin, then we don't like that. But that's an expression of God's love. When God judges us, it's an expression of his love. He disciplines those he loves, right? Mm -hmm. So, so when we, when we understand that love, you know, we, we, we understand love as an emotion or a feeling as opposed to a sacrifice because God expressed his love First and foremost, how? In the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, we were yet sinners. God expressed his love for us in, in sacrificing his son, Jesus Christ. So, so it's, it's a love that is expressed in sacrifice, and, that, and it does make demands on our lives to follow Jesus. If, if it, it demands that we uh, pick up our cross, that we follow him, that we lay down our own desires for the sake of the kingdom and, and for the sake of God. And, um, and what we find out is what we're actually laying down is sinful desires, because all the good and godly desires that we that we have are embraced in the in the truth of God's word. So, so it is. It's a it's a it's a love of sacrifice. Jesus is not passive. He does make demands on our lives, and and we need to recognize those things and recognize and not cheapen grace. Um, when we say grace makes is makes no demands on us, then we misunderstand it. It makes no demands for our salvation, right? Mm-hmm. But. As far as following Jesus and and becoming a disciple, it does make demands. Well, I think ultimately when we look at putting, you know, even like putting some demands on ourselves or, you know, it's almost like going back to the legalism thing. You yeah. know, like there are certain things that we need to be doing. Yeah. But it's not so that God will love us. Right. It's so that we or can. Or to earn our salvation. Yeah. It's so that we can better ourselves. And, and we can glorify God with our lives and we can be ultimately happier because if we're not 
enslaved to the desires of our flesh, right. then we're going to live in freedom. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like, I think when it goes back to, you know, you know, going back to Joshua Harris and stuff, when we add, add more, um, we burden ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the reality mm-hmm. is, is we can add those, those, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Because it's for your own good. Right. Not so I'll love you more. Not that you'll get salvation, but it's just like, all right, all right, now you're you're my child. Let's go ahead and, and bring you up and, and rear you up in the way that's best for you. Yeah, and, and that's the difference between justification and sanctification, right? Mm-hmm. Justification is the de- declaration that you are right in the eyes of God, that you have been granted salvation. Sanctification is that process over the rest that we go through the rest of our uh earthly lives. Um coming into alignment with the way that God wants us to be and, and becoming more like Christ. That's sanctification. Those two theological terms. Cool. Well, John, any, uh, additional resources that you have for us? Well, you know, I mentioned it on Sunday, but I think, it, I, I, again, I want to, I want to just say it's worth the read. We, we posted John Cooper, the lead singer of Skillet, um, which whether you like hard rock music or not, he's kind of, you know, Skillet's kind of a hard rock Christian, Christian band, hard rock yeah. band. Um, you know, it's, it's about as hard rock as I can manage to listen to. Cause every once in a while they, they get into a little bit of screaming from time to time, not, not super often, but once in a while. Um, and, and I kind of, I kind of lose it at that point. I can't, I can't like, handle right, that. Next song. Yeah. Next song I do. I hit skip, but some of the music, if you like more of a harder rock is really cool and, and good, but he responded to, you know, the, the Joshua Harris, the Marty Sampson, uh, you know, rejection of their Christian faith, or at least Martin, Marty Sampson, he's his, he said his, his faith is on shaky ground. I want to be fair to what he said. Um, but his response on Facebook, it's a little bit lengthy for a Facebook post, um, but it's well worth it. And I think that he was, he, he hits a nail on the head. He, he's totally right on. And I think it's, it's something we ought to, uh, to really consider and think about. And you um, posted that on our, on Grace Fellowships. Yeah, it's on Grace Fellowships, uh, Facebook page. And so, so you can look it up there. Okay. So John, what's the big idea this week? The big idea is this just okay is not okay. Only the real gospel, the real Jesus and the real spirit. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.